All of you, good, good. This little song, you know it, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It. Let's sing it tonight, all right? Redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. On the second now. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture. Set of ushers come forward to receive her offering, and as they do so, let me remind you now to be praying about uh, the next couple of Sundays and all the special events that are coming up. Next Sunday is Mother's Day, it's Relative Sunday, it's our third of three Super Sundays that we've had uh, during the spring uh, Revival Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and now Relative Sunday. And I want you, what I'm encouraging all of you to do is between now and next Sunday. I'd ask the Lord to put some of your family upon your heart. A family member, several family members, just say, Lord, put them on my heart. And then all through the week, pray for them and invite them to be with us next Sunday. It's a great day. Mother's Day is always a special day here. The Whistons will be back with us again. Brother Bob Darty, we've invited him to be with us uh, this year. And always, Brother Bob's a blessing when he comes. And it's going to be a great day. But we're expecting the house to be full. And so everybody work hard throughout the week. And then Sunday week is uh, our Chest of Joe Ash Sunday, and we're looking forward to a marvelous day. They start work in the morning on the uh, new construction. We're excited about this, and this will be your opportunity to give a special gift uh, to this particular project that we've got going. And somebody, a couple have already asked me, said, Brother Ken, we're scheduled to be out of town. Can we give early? Listen, your $5,000, you can give any time you want to. Say amen. Say amen. That's what the Lord told me to tell you to give if you're not going to be here. And, uh, but seriously, you can give it any time you want to. And so uh, if you want to drop it in, just mark your envelope, chest of Joash. And uh, we'll save it and we'll put it in the chest on that particular Sunday. It's a wonderful Sunday of giving. As I've said to new ones and you that have been here before, uh, there's no Sunday in the year that thrills me more than the chest of Joash Sunday. And just to see... Uh, people and their giving and we encourage everybody to give let's just like the bible the story in the bible we'll look at that sunday everybody gave everybody gave different amounts some could give more than others some gave less because they didn't have that but everybody gave even little children and one of the first things we do of course i'm the first one that goes through and then our deacons go through following me and then all of our little kids come in bringing their pennies and their change and and the $100 bills that mom and dad gives to them and all like that. I'm trying to lead you. Can I get an amen right there? And uh, so, uh, but we want everybody, everybody. Make sure every little child's got something. We want everybody that particular day to give something. And if you can give a special gift to the Lord, uh, it will be blessed. We're excited about all the things that are going on and the wonderful things that are happening and we just praise the Lord for it and just thank God for his goodness. Let's pray now. And you give tonight. Father, bless the offering. Glorify the name of the Lord Jesus in everything that is done. 
For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
victory. Battle's already been won. Everything's done. We have victory in Jesus tonight. As the choir comes down, get out, folks. Don't stand where you are. Make folks feel welcome tonight. Get out and shake hands. Tell them we appreciate it tonight. Victory in Jesus.
Both them Rogers boys can sing, can't they? I don't know if they got it from Roy or not, but that was great. You enjoy that? Say amen. Praise the Lord. They've already been a blessing to us in the short time this family's been here. We thank the Lord for them. Take your Bible and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and we'll look at a thought that I want to share with you tonight. We'll go back to our Joshua study here in a couple of weeks on Sunday night. While you're finding your place, uh, it's good to have the Jones family with us tonight. They're missionaries going to uh, United Kingdom. Where, where are you folks at? Would you stand back there? Let's welcome them to the service tonight. Good to have you with us. Appreciate all of you being here tonight. Great to have you. And then one of the things the youth are doing, they're getting ready to go in June to uh, Yadkinville, North Carolina for the Youth Alive. In fact, they're going to be up there the week after Tim is here. Tim Lee will be with us a Sunday morning through Wednesday night, and then they'll be up there with Tim and his youth meeting uh, the following week. And one of the things they're doing to raise money to go for the, to, to take the youth up there is, is selling the carnations for Mother's Day. If you have not got yours yet, Tonight is the last night to place an order for those. So you be sure to go by afterwards. They'll be in the back, and you can order your flowers for next Sunday for Mother's Day. During the month of May, usually on Sunday night, I take the entire month to focus upon giving. I have not done so this May, but I do want to take just this one service tonight, and I want us to look at the Corinthian example of giving. It's one of the most thrilling examples in all the Bible. And of course, uh, the chest of Joash is another thrilling example, and we'll look at that in a couple of Sunday mornings. But I, I do want to take just this one Sunday night to talk to you about giving and look at it from the Corinthian perspective and their great example of giving. Now, I want you to know right up front, it doesn't bother me one bit to preach on giving. Can I get an amen right there? I don't bat an eye, I don't blush, I don't back down. Now, you may not like it, but I love it. And that's why I'm preaching on giving tonight. No, my purpose, and when I preach on giving every year, take a few Sundays to do so, it's not just to get your money. God help us if that would be my motive. And uh, you'll just have to trust and just trust that my motives are pure. But my motive is not just to get your money. My motive is to get you to God. And my motive is to help you to grow in grace. And one of the areas that I have found through the years that is the most liberating in the Christian life is in your giving. If you have a trouble in your giving, you will have a trouble in just about every area of your Christian life. If you cannot obey God in the matter of giving, you'll find that you'll be defeated in the majority of areas in your Christian life because it's an act of obedience is what giving is. And if I can teach you and help you to learn to give the way God wants you to give, it is leading you to be obedient to God and to experience all the wonderful things God has for you 
and promise, results of his promise in giving. Many of you have learned the blessing of giving. Many of you need to learn the blessing of giving. I have no idea who gives what around here. I only one I know about is myself. And I don't know about anybody else. I don't check anybody else and whatever like that. Uh, that's not my business. That's between you and God. But if this church is typical, then uh, the majority, or the, uh, that many believers, many in this church, uh, do not give the way God wants them to give. I didn't say that they don't give. They don't give the way God wants them to give and learning to give as we have been commanded. So, but anyway, I just wanted to say that just in case you think, well, I show up tonight and he's talking on giving. Yes, I am. I'm glad to do so. Let's stand 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And I want us to look tonight at this Corinthian example of giving. The Corinthian example of giving. And I'll point out just about five things, simple things tonight, and just point these out to you about their example in giving. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians 9. For as touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. For I know the forwardness or the willingness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia. Vacatia was ready a year ago, and in your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in the same confident boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty, not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, He hath dispersed abroad, He hath given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your soul, and multiplied your seed sown, and increased the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And tonight I want us to look at this Corinthian example of giving. If you want to know how to give, what should motivate you in your giving, I want you to look at their example tonight. Let's pray. Our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, as we come before you tonight, we want to thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to give. Father, we often thank you, Lord, for what you've given us. And we often thank you, Lord, for what you put into our life day by day. As the Scripture tells us, Lord, your mercies are new every morning. And as the Scripture said, you daily loadeth us with benefits. Lord, we thank you for all that you give. But Father, through the joy of giving and the blessing that I have personally experienced in giving, I come to you to give thanks to you that you let us give to you. Father, tonight help us. Speak to us. Let many get in on the blessing of learning to give as God has so commanded us to give. Speak to us, Lord. Use the example of the Corinthians to help us. Deposit truth within our heart tonight that will help us to be more like you even in our giving. So we thank you tonight for all that you've done, for all that you're going to do, 
For it is in the name of Jesus Christ we ask these things. Amen. I think about a pastor that was preaching to his congregation, <coughs> excuse me, about their need for going forward and doing great things for God. And he said to the congregation that night, children, if we're going to start moving forward as a church, then we've got to walk. Well, there was a deacon sitting down on the front row, and when the preacher said, we've got to walk, that deacon hollered out, that's right, preacher, let the church walk, let it walk. Then the preacher said, after we walk, we're going to run. And the deacon on the front row again supported the pastor, and he hollered out, yeah, preacher, let it run, let it run, amen. And the preacher said, after we run, it's time to fly. And the deacon jumped up and shouted, yes, let it fly, preacher, let it fly. And then the preacher said, well, if the church is going to fly, then we need to take up an offering. And the deacon shouted, let it walk, preacher, let it walk. I think about the matter of giving. I think about something I came across one time that someone described as a terrible disease affecting the church of Jesus Christ today, and it's called cirrhosis of the giver. This acute condition renders the patient's hands immobile uh, when they are called upon to move toward their wallet or their purse en route to the offering plate. But for some strange reason, this strange malady never occurs at the golf club, or it never occurs at the supermarket or the mall or in restaurants. It only seems to affect people at church. Well, I've met a few through the years that had cirrhosis of the giver. But I know many of you, that's not your problem. But I want to say tonight that when it comes to the matter of giving, giving is an exciting thing in the life of a child of God. Do you believe that tonight? Say amen. If you can't say amen, then you've never learned the blessing of giving. Here in our chapter, and we read a moment ago in 2 Corinthians 9, is an exciting chapter. It's a chapter about giving. And it deals with the matter of giving. And it deals with the Corinthians and their giving and the motives behind their giving and how they gave. So what I want us to do tonight is to look at this Corinthian example. And I want to just point out a few things from the chapter. I'll give them to you briefly. But I want you to see from the Corinthians how we're to give to God. The first thing that I draw to your attention is this. When I begin reading chapter 9, I see a gentle reminder of their giving. You notice in verse 1, you notice the statement there, the ministering to the saints. Underscore the word ministering in your Bible. The word ministering there and what Paul is describing is an act that refers to, an, is, is, is a word that refers to an act of giving on the part of the Corinthian church. And this matter of ministering to others is an act on the part of the Corinthians that was extended in the direction of someone else. What he's talking about in chapter 9 is that the church of Corinth had made a donation or had made a pledge to help the church at Jerusalem. The church at Jerusalem was made up of Jewish Christians that had fallen on hard times. The economy in Judea in those days was in a financial slump. You might say that it was in a recession. And so the believers at the church at Jerusalem were having a very difficult time. But on the other hand, in the city of Corinth, everything was flourishing. Corinth was a metropolitan area, is a manufacturing city, was a crossroads for many trade caravans, and the economy was booming. And the Corinthian believers were not having the hard time that the believers down in Jerusalem were having. So what the Corinthian believers did, they had been called upon to help the church at Jerusalem in their need. Here was a church that was doing well, but here was a church that was not doing well. And so the Corinthian believers responded to the believers at Jerusalem and they made a pledge to them. It's a wonderful lesson. It's an example and reminds us that churches that have needs, that those who are blessed at times are to reach out to help churches that are in need. And then as far as our giving, that we are to give and reach out to others that have need. Verse 2 and 3, he says, For I know the forwardness of your mind. The word forwardness there simply talks about the matter of willingness. Now, what you have in chapter 9 is this. There had been a need, the need was there, they had been called on to help meet that need, and they had made a pledge, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to give to help the believers at Jerusalem. And it seems that when they had been called upon to give, they had made a pledge to give an offering. At this point, they had not given that offering. In chapter 9, Paul is reminding them of their pledge. He is reminding them of their promise. 
But I find in the very beginning here that it's a gentle reminder of their giving. He's saying to them, I just wanted to remind you that this is what you said you would do. This is what you had promised. Paul does not fuss at them. He does not threaten them. He does not shame them or try to goad them into giving. He is very gentle, and he just, is in, he just encourages them, hey, look, this is what you promised. This is what you ought to do, and I just want to remind you of it. It's a gentle reminder of their giving. I heard about one preacher who was trying to raise money for a building project, and he had one particular member in his congregation that was very wealthy. But he never could get the member to come, and he could never get the member to give, much less attend church. So one of the men came by the preacher's office one day, and he said, Preacher, if you'll give me permission, he said, I'll not only get this man to come to church, but I'll get him to give the largest uh, gift to our building program. Pastor said, help yourself. Well, about five days later, the pastor got a registered letter in the mail from this particular man. And he not only promised that he was going to get back in church the following Sunday, but he also promised that he was going to give $100,000 to the building program. Well, the pastor, he didn't understand the change in the man until he got to the very end and he read the words, P.S. Would you tell your secretary that there is only one T in dirty and there is no C in skunk? Can I get an amen right there? Well, that's one way of raising money. But Paul said, look, I just want to remind you this is what you're to give. But look at the second thing. Not only do you have a gentle reminder they're giving, verse 1, 2, and 3, but you also have words about the generous reputation of their giving. Now, you go through the book of Corinthians, and this church was full of faults. You remember when we went through Corinthians on Sunday night? If there was a church that had problems, it was this church. It had all kinds of problems. There was carnality. There was division. There was uh, immorality in the church. There was all kinds of problems in the church of Corinth. They had tons of trouble. But there was one positive about them. They were good givers. They had all kinds of trouble within the church. But one of the things that Paul boasted about, and there were a few things that he could boast in about the church of Corinth, but this one thing he could boast in was that was concerning their giving. Chapter 8, verse 24, he talks about, Wherefore show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love. When he talked about the proof of your love in verse 24, he's talking about how they had proven their love, and it was through their giving. Chapter 9, verse 2, he talks about how they are they boast that which is boasting in chapter 2 and 3. He boasted in the fact that they had reached out and they said, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to get. What Paul is talking about is their generous reputation for giving and their reputation for generous giving. Now, when you think about the matter of giving in our life, and again, I don't know who gives what, and nobody really needs to know who gives what. That's a personal matter between you and God. But I wonder tonight, do you have a reputation, or are you generous in your giving? I think sometimes we think about money this way, we think about giving this way. We tend to emphasize the income rather than the giving. But I want you to understand something tonight, that God's not impressed with how much one makes. God is impressed, God, that you make fifty or dollars $100, $200,000 a year. It is not your income that impresses God. It is your giving that impresses God. It's not how much you bring in. It's how much you give to God. You see, God's more concerned with our outgo than He is our income. Now, I think about something I read not too long ago, and this was put out by the IRS. And the IRS, they pretty well know. They base it upon what everybody puts on their tax returns and claims every year. But the Internal Revenue said that the average church member gives less than 2.5% of their income yearly. Can I say that again? The Internal Revenue Service has estimated that the average church member gives 2.5%. 5% of their income yearly. Now, I want to say to you tonight, giving 2.5%, thank, thank God for that. Thank you for your giving, whatever. But you're not really obeying God in that matter. God didn't ask you to give 2.5%. God told you to give 10%. Is that not right? If you give 2.5%, you hadn't obeyed God. You hadn't obeyed God in the matter. We're to give that which God has commanded us to do. In fact, when we talk about what the average believer gives, I've always enjoyed reading Ron Blue, which is a financial counselor, Christian counselor, whatever, but he made a staggering statement in one of his books. 
Ron Blue made this statement that if all Christians were reduced to welfare income, now listen to me carefully. He said if every believer was redu reduced to, wel to welfare income, and they began to tithe as God had commanded them to tithe on that amount, the church would double its receipts. Can I say that again? That if every believer was reduced to welfare income and then began to tithe, give at least 10% of that to the church or to God, then the church would double its receipts. You say, that's sad. No, that's disobedience. It's an act of disobeying God in the matter of giving. You make $100 a week, $10 of it belongs to God. You say, why do I have to give 10? God gave you all 100%. He could take 90 if he wanted to do so. You take in God's air and you enjoy God's life. What, the least you can give back is just 10% of what you have. God give you the strength to earn what you have, give you the mental capacity to do it and work a job and be able to earn that income. Ten percent is the least to give back to God. You make a thousand dollars a week, a hundred dollars of it belongs to God. Two thousand a week, two thousand two hundred dollars belongs to God. Well, I tell you what we can do if that's a problem, we can pray where you can get down there to where you give and where you can give. Come, don't dial me tonight, say amen. But there was the Corinthian church. They were not known as people that disobeyed God in their giving. They were not known as those who were uh, disobeyed God and didn't give what God. They, what, they were known for their generous way of giving to the Lord. I read somewhere one time that every year in the United States, the average person will lose about $75 a year. The average person will lose about $75 a year, money that falls out of your pockets, money that you misplace and whatever like that. The average American will use, lose about $75 a year. But on the other hand, I read where, you know what the average salary is per the, what most people around the world come to per year in American dollars? Take all the poor countries and put it all together and average it all out. It comes out to about $69 per person a year. The average American will lose more money than a year, uh, in a year than the average person in the world makes a year. And when we think about how we've been blessed, we ought to give to God because it's right to give to God. We ought to give to God not to get back. We give to God because it's right to give to God. But we as Americans, we ought to give to God and give to Him generously because of what we have. We ought to be thankful for that. Amen? It was a generous reputation they're giving. Are you still with me now? Say amen. Look at verse 6. The third thing you see is the great reasons for their giving. There's a general reminder. Paul said, I just want to remind you what you said you were going to do. And he, and, he, and he said, I have bragged on the way you give. I boasted about you and your giving. And, but now in verse 6, he begins to deal with why they give. Notice what he said in verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Can I give you a tribute translation of verse 6? What he is saying in plain old English is that giving is not a contribution. What he says in verse 6 is that giving is an investment. Can I say that again? Are you awake? He says in verse 6 that giving is not a contribution. He tells me in verse 6 that giving is an investment. In our earthly bank accounts, the amount of the check that you write is always deducted from your account balance. But it's the other way around in God's, heaven, in God's bank. In heaven, every time you make a disbursement, whether it be an act of love or a gift to someone or an offering to the church or whatever, that amount is credited to your account. You see, the more we give to God, the promise is that more that God credits to our account. Now, I would say this. I believe, I believe, I believe verse 6. I believe this. Do you believe it? That if I give, God will bless me in return. Now, I will say this, that if your motive in giving is to get, then you probably won't enjoy the blessing of getting because you don't give in order to get. That's the benefit of giving. You give because it's right to give. You give because we're commanded to give. 
We give to obey God, not to get back in return. Listen, the more you give, if you want to, the more you give, God's going to shovel it back. But if that's why you give, he won't bless you. But if you give because it's right, God will honor you. Look at Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. This is the Bible. Look at Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that which withholdeth more than his meat, but it tendeth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. In other words, a man that is liberal is a man that will enjoy the blessings of God. You have problems with your giving. You'll have your, it's kind of like blocking up the way to being blessed of God. But he that gives, it's promised of God that that individual will be blessed of the Lord. I think about a well-known philanthropist that was once asked how he could give so much away and yet have so much. And this was his answer. He said, it's like this. I shovel out. And God shovels back in. But God's shovel is a lot bigger than mine. I like that. Amen? The great reasons for giving is that we give to God as a heavenly investment. Look at number four, the general rule for their giving. He not only talks about the great reason for their giving, but the general rule for their giving. Notice how they gave. The three things you see about how they gave to God. Verse 7 said they gave thoughtfully. Look what he said. Every man according as he purposed, purposeth in his heart, so let him give. In other words, they gave thoughtfully. It was something they stopped and thought about. Something they weighed the matter out. They give careful thought to it. Their giving was carefully thought out and it was prayerfully brought out. They thought about it, they looked at it, considered it all, and they said, this is what we're going to give, this is the way they gave. They gave thoughtfully. Look in verse 7, in the middle part, they not only gave thoughtfully, but they gave willfully. For notice what he said. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. They gave thoughtfully, they carefully weighed out what they wanted to give, and I think you ought to think about your giving in that way. I think you ought to sit down and look at it and say, well, how has God blessed me? How has he prospered me to really look at it and not see how much you can get by with every week, how little you can get by and maybe keep God from, you know, hanging you from a sour apple tree or something like that. But really think about it and say, what can it, God's blessed me here and he's blessed me this way. This, way. I, this is what I want to do this year. This is what I want to do this week. This is what I want to give to God. I want to give not just 10, but 11, 12, 15, 20, 25 percent. God's been so good. This is what I want to give to the Lord. They thought about it carefully, and then they gave willfully. Not like the little ditty that I read about. He dropped a dollar in the plate and sung with might and pain, main. When we asunder part, it gives me inward pain. Well, I've met many people like that. They gave grudgingly. You see the word grudgingly? It literally means out of pain. Paul, what he's saying to the Corinthian believers is that when you give, don't give and don't give out of pain. Or it shouldn't be that when it comes to the matter of giving that it's something that really causes you pain. Something that really hurts you, really bothers you, you struggle with. You see the word necessity? It speaks of being under compulsion. That is feeling forced to give because of what someone will think or what they may, be, what they may say. No, you shouldn't give because that you are forced to give. You give because you want to give to God. You willfully give to the Lord. Giving should not be something that is squeezed out of you like an orange, but rather it ought to be something that flows out of you like a river. Someone said there are three types of givers. There's the flint, and there's the sponge, and there's the honeycomb. The flint giver, to get anything out of it, you've got to hammer it, and even then you're just going to get a few chips and sparks. Can an amen right there? And then the sponge, to get anything out of it, you've got to squeeze it, but the honeycomb just overflows with its own sweetness. You see, there are really three kinds of giving. There's grudge giving that says, I have to. And there's guilt giving that says, I ought to. But there's grateful giving that says, I want to. That's the way God wants you to give. He says, not a necessity, not grudgingly, but give. But then thirdly, they gave cheerfully. 
I love this statement. Verse 7, the latter part of verse 7. For God loveth a cheerful giver. We get our English word hilarious from the word that is translated cheerful. It literally describes someone acting like a clown. Someone really hamming it up, we might say. Paul said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to give. I want you to think about your giving now. I want you to look at how God has prospered you and carefully think about what God has done for you, what God has given for you, and then give according to that. Give and don't let it hurt you to give. Give like you ought to give and don't let it pain you to give. And give because you want to give. And when you give, have a time giving to God. You know, I've seen this through the years. I've Listen. Occasionally the choir gets cranked up, you'll really let it rip. I mean, you'll really get loose. You know what I'm talking about. Say amen. Not like tonight, you know, but you most time you will. And every once in a while during a special song, you'll really get tore loose. And occasionally, when I'm preaching, maybe you'll get to praising God with me or whatever there. But I have never in all of my years... And all the years I've been trying to serve God in almost 15 years serving here, I have yet to see anybody jump up in the middle offering and say, well, glory to God, I was able to give today. I have never seen that. Have you ever seen that? I don't even know you're even listening tonight. Are you with me? I mean, I've heard people let loose a war hoop during the song. Woo, glory to God. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see some Sunday morning when the usher started down the aisle. And as you dropped your offering plate in there, you shot your hands up in the air and said, God, you've been good to me. I'm able to give back to you. Lord, you saved me. Lord, you changed my life. And Lord, I'm able to give to you. I like to see people just jump up and down and clap their hands and shout glory to God just at the joy of being able to give to God. That'd be exciting. I'm going to do it if you don't. Say amen. Now he's talking about being cheerful. I'm t- he's talking about somebody just really letting it go and praising God because they could give to the Lord. And so I don't know about that. Well, it all depends on what your attitude about giving is. Ah, listen, well, I'm not even going to go there. I better go on. Say amen right there. But look at the fifth and the final thing. It talks about a gentle reminder of the giving. He wanted to remind them what they had pledged, their generous reputation for giving, how he'd boasted in their giving. The great reason for their giving is they gave to God, and the general rule is that they gave willfully and thoughtfully and cheerfully. But look at the glorious results of their giving. He talks about... They gave to God, and what was the results of their giving to God? Three things, and I'm through. Look at verse 8. It resulted in grace. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I want you to understand something tonight. More giving to God is not because God needs your money. I want you to understand this. Listen to me carefully. Giving to God is not because God needs your money. Giving to God is because you need His grace. I don't give to God. God's not hard up. I give to God that I, because I need His grace. You know what he said to Corinthian believers? Because of the way you give, he said, God. He said, God has given you all grace. Look at the universals in that one verse. He talks about all grace. He talks about all sufficiency, all things, every good work. The promise was that the believer that will give will always, always have their needs met whenever those needs exist. He said it results in grace. Look at verse 10 and 11 11 and 12. It not only resulted in grace, but it resulted in gratitude. He that ministereth seed to the sower both ministered bread for your food, multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. 
For the administration of this service not only supplies the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. It not only resulted in grace, it resulted in gratitude. A strange thing happened to them. As they gave generously to God, they found their heart being more grateful for what they had. You know, one of the things that ought to bless your heart at the end of the year, one of the things that ought to really stir your heart is to get your income statement from the church and look at it and see what you gave over the past year. And you look at it and say, I don't know how in the world we did it, but this is what we gave. And just to look at it, it says, oh, man, it's not, it, I promise you one thing. You do it, it won't say, well, boy, if we hadn't to give this, we could have got this new refrigerator, or I could have got this new Honda, or I could have traded in the Ford and got me a good car and got me a Chevrolet. I, I really could have done something. But what it will do when you, say, you look at it and you say, thank God, thank God. There was a day when it didn't even make what I gave this year. Thank God it produces gratitude. Somebody know what I'm talking about, amen? It results in verse 13 in glory, not only in grace and in gratitude, but in glory. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, this ministration you're talking about is they're giving, they glorify God for your professed subjection to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men. You know what it did? It brought glory to God. Now, that is the ultimate goal of everything we do. That is the ultimate goal in everything. That's the ultimate goal in serving God. That's the ultimate goal in singing in the choir. That's the ultimate goal in singing a special song. That's the ultimate goal in preaching. That's in the ultimate goal in teaching. That's in the ultimate goal in being part of a faith. It's the ultimate goal in working here and serving here and doing this and doing that. The ultimate goal in everything we do, including our giving, is that it might glorify God. And that's what we want to do. Listen, if giving glorifies Him and I want Him to be glorified, then it's a joy to give, to give unto God. Now, look at your life. Look at your checkbook. Look at your Sunday giving. Look at your monthly giving, whatever it might be, and ask yourself, how do you give in light of the Corinthian believer? Let's stand our feet. You've listened well. Thank you. You folks give good, and I praise God for your giving. But I want you to learn to give to God. And many of you get in on the joy of giving to the Lord. I'm not just talking to you tonight about giving because I've got a special offering coming up. I do it every year. I talk about giving every year. I do it as I said in the very beginning because I want you to know the joy and the blessing of giving to the Lord. Now, giving to God doesn't mean that you're not going to have any hard times in your life. Giving to God doesn't mean that things are not going to get tight once in a while. Giving to God means that you glorify Him. And when you glorify Him, I promise you, He'll be there when you need Him to be there. He'll give you grace, fill your heart with gratitude, and He'll get glory out of you. You believe that? Amen. I want you to bow your head. You know, the greatest act of giving, the greatest act of giving was not the Corinthian believers, but it was God Himself in the giving of His Son. I'm sing in just a moment. I'm going to challenge you to do a couple of things. I'm going to challenge you to do this tonight. First of all, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to come tonight. Let us take the Bible and show you how you can know without any doubt whatsoever that you're saved. Go home tonight knowing that heaven is your home. I want you to do that. Get up out of your seat and come. Remember, this matters not. I was talking about heaven and hell. And this is your opportunity. This is your moment. This is your hour. And God invites you to come. Then I want you as a believer to ask God, say to God, and it's between you and God, nobody else, Lord, are you pleased with the way I give to you? Does my giving glorify you, Lord? You know what to give. Now I say this, if your giving falls under 10%, I don't care how you rationalize it, how you reason it, it won't glorify God. Disobedience never glorifies God. But look at it tonight. Say, Lord... When it comes to my giving tonight, are you pleased with what I'm doing? Are you pleased with how I'm giving to you? And just let God speak to your heart that way. If you open your heart and ask Him, really be honest with Him, He'll do that. I do it every year. I mean this by my heart. I begin every year saying, God, I want to know this year how much more you want me to give. 
for a number of years. I have increased my giving every year. And I don't begin the year saying, Lord, how less can I give this year? It's how much more you want me to give this year. I, I list, it's been a policy of mine for a number of years, and I don't regret one dime I've given to God. I enjoy giving to the Lord. I look forward to opportunities to give to God, not just here, but to others and different things. It's a blessing. But ask God, what is it? Is my giving glorify you? Ask God that simple question. You want to come to the altar and ask Him? Fine. You want to stand right there where you are? Just ask God that question. Father, we thank you for the Corinthian example of giving. Thank you for their generosity, the reputation they had to be a giving people, for how they reached out to others in need. A church down the road, they wanted to help because they were having a hard time. Lord, may we have that kind of a heart. May we have that kind of a spirit about us that we want to help others and, and then to honor you in these things. Father, when it comes to giving, we thank you for their example and the testimony they had. Now, Father, we ask you tonight, I want to know what I give every week, does it glorify you? And my giving, Lord, first of all, my giving, Lord, is it what I've been commanded to give? And it is. And Lord, I ask you not only that, but what I give over and above what you have commanded me, does it bring you pleasure? Are you glorified in what I do week after week or month after month? Father, do you find and get praise from it? And Lord, if you're happy with it, then we rejoice. If there's more you want us to do, if there's more we need to do, and more you want us to do, you tell us, we'll do it. Because you really gave it all to us. It's all your money. And we just want to use it the way you want it to be used. So help us to grow in grace tonight through our giving. In Jesus' name, amen.